0: Welcome. If you are here for the first time or joining us for the first time in a while, we are glad you are here. And we are starting a mini-series tonight, just going to be a couple weeks long. And to get us to where we're going, actually, before I land into and dive into that, uh, thanks again for the amazing help a bunch of you came out yesterday and helped turn this place around. You should have seen this place. I thought Jason was going to show some pictures, but it was we blew in insulation in this wall over here, and it was a mess on Tuesday. And so many hours of vacuuming later, and then a whole bunch of you showed up on Friday and helped really clean the place up, so thank you. And we greatly appreciate that. For, for a while, as the construction goes on, we're going to be asking for some volunteer help between about four and six. If you're available to come on out and help, just turn the place around for the weekend. We would love that. There's always a lot of extra stuff to do, and it takes a lot of work to get it Uh, going. And then also, we have another volunteer opportunity this week. We've got some fun jobs uh, that don't really happen while we're cleaning up, but would be great jobs for us to save some money on and get some volunteer labor on. And so if you are not afraid of heights, uh, we'll put you on a lift and we'll have you touch up a bunch of stuff on the ceiling. It'll be a lot of fun. Trust me. It'll be great. So uh, we have that. We have some other jobs. But this Thursday night, Between 6.30 and 8.30, we'd love to have you come out. We'll probably have some pizzas or something for you and just get some volunteer labor. We've got all kinds of miscellaneous jobs around here uh, to do. So come on out Thursday if you are available. Okay, I can't believe it, but my daughter is turning seven on Tuesday. Can you believe that? Uh, Some of you know her and you're like, you can't believe that either. Uh, If you know her and see her after service, wish her a happy birthday. I'm sure she'd appreciate that. But I can't believe it. It was like just yesterday she was this big, right? And with, with my daughter, um, I just, I'm not okay with it, to be honest with you. I, I tell her, I'm like, I just want you to stay at this age. You're so sweet, right? And I, we just want that stage to last and, and to slow down, right? It's just going by too fast. I want to hit pause, but I can't, right? I can't. Um. Anybody identify with that feeling (laughs) with maybe your kids or somebody in your life, right? There's a guy, famous guy, you've maybe heard of him. You probably learned about him once in class and forgot about him long ago. But his name is Heraclitus of Ephesus. He lived about 500 years before Jesus, and he is the one to whom we attribute the quote, and I don't think he actually said this, but this is where we, the, we say the quote comes from. Change is the only constant. Change is the only constant. You've heard that before, haven't you? And this is a truism. Actually, he didn't really, um, as I researched, he, he, I don't think he actually really said it in those words. What he said is this. Everything changes and nothing remains still. You cannot step twice into the same stream. And that's really deep and profound. He was a Greek philosopher. So in fact, because of this, perhaps this is why he's known as Heraclitus, the weeping philosopher, because he figured this out. he's like, the only constant in life is change. Everything's changing. And maybe you've experienced that. Actually, another cool thing about Heraclitus for Bible nerds is he is the one that really brought to popularity the phrase or the idea that there's this universal force which governs the universe called logos or the word. And if you're a Bible nerd, you know a very famous passage of scripture that talks about that, right? John 1, in the beginning was the word and the word was with God. And the word was God. And it talks about, and John takes this idea that Heraclitus uh, made popular, and he takes it and he says, actually, the origin of it all is Jesus Christ. The creator, the one that holds it all together is Jesus Christ. So, so that's this guy. Now, we know that this is true, right? Life is change, isn't it? Every time you, don't you feel like every time you have the current season figured out and dialed in, something changes As soon as you get on like an equilibrium and you feel like, okay, we're good, like things are going well, something changes, doesn't it? Every time you feel like you have your kids figured out, they (laughs) change, don't they? You feel like you're a good parent and then tomorrow happens and you're like, what? Right? Every time you feel like you're getting your life in order, life happens, doesn't it? I bet if we just all went around the room and shared stories, um, I bet a lot of us would be in seasons of significant change in the room, right? We've got some graduates or a graduate, I guess. Uh, She's over there teaching our kids. And we're very, again, change. Like, we're sad. She's graduating. She's going off to college and she's a great staff member. So uh, congratulate Hannah if you see her. She's awesome. But we've got some graduates, right? Maybe some of you, you're going to go to some graduation parties. You have Grandkids, or, or you have kids that are getting ready to graduate, and that's a huge change, isn't it? Or parents, you, your parents, you're an empty nester. It's a new season of life for you. Maybe it's an, a new job, or maybe it's no job, right? Maybe it's a, a new relationship, or maybe it's no relationship. Maybe it's a new school you're in, or no school you're in right now. Maybe it's something a little more um, troubling for you, like a health diagnosis, right? Or a loss of a loved one. Or maybe it's just new responsibilities and challenges and you're not sure if you're up for the task. Navigating change just isn't easy, is it? In fact, I'm guessing much of your anxiety and much of your fear is around change in your life. That's because there's so many unknowns, aren't there? As seasons change, there's just so many things out of our control. There's, there's no guaranteed outcome. And actually, when it comes to faith, seasons of change are one of the times when people often abandon <laughs> excuse me abandon faith or drift away from their faith in God. And so here's what we're going to do over the next couple of weeks. We're going to do a mini-series, and we're going to talk about successfully navigating change in our lives. And we're going to look at a couple of key principles from the life of of Joshua. And so if you have your Bibles, you can turn over to Joshua chapter one. Now, before we dive in, um, I just want to give you the bottom line up front. So we're going to talk about it and then we're going to break it down as we go through this scripture. So here's the bottom line that navigating change or successfully navigating change requires confidence in God's presence, clarity of God's voice, and courage to take the next step. Let me read that again. Navigating change requires confidence in God's presence, clarity of God's voice, and courage to take the next step. Three Cs. See if you can all remember three Cs here tonight. Let's say them. Confidence, clarity, and courage. One more time. Confidence, clarity, and courage. And so we're going to see how this played out uh, very early in the career of Joshua but first let me give you a little bit of context about Joshua Joshua lived about fifteen hundred years before Jesus and Joshua served a very famous man named Moses and for forty years he faithfully served as Moses sidekick Moses assistant Moses aide and he got to do some amazing stuff and see and experience some amazing stuff as he faithfully served. But he wasn't really, you know, in the limelight. He was just serving faithfully. He got to accompany Moses up Mount Sinai, where Moses would receive from God the tablets that had the Ten Commandments written on them. He, he got to be one of the ones that was commissioned. They sent 12 spies into the land. Um, the first go around, before the Israelites wandered for 40 years around the desert, they sent these 12 spies in. And Joshua and another guy <coughs> named Caleb were the two guys that came back and brought a good report. They said, we can do it. We can take the land. The other 10 convinced the people, we can't do it. They're too, they're too great for us. And... Israel ended up wandering around the desert for 40 years until everyone in that generation, except for Joshua and Caleb, had died. See, Mo- Moses would go into a tent where he would meet, and it says uh, the pillar, uh, pillar of cloud would come down, and God would meet with Moses, and he would speak to Moses. And Joshua was in the tent when this happened. He was right there. And then it says Joshua would go back to camp but Moses would linger. He would stay in that tent in the presence of God. Pretty cool stuff. And so after Moses dies, God chooses Joshua to fill Moses' shoes. Now, these are pretty big shoes to fill. Some of you, you've been promoted in a company or you've been promoted at at a place where, you know, you had some big shoes to fill. God chose, chose Joshua to fill Moses' shoes. And and. Check this out. Here's what, if you, if you have your uh, finger in, in uh, Joshua 1, flip back just a page or two to Deuteronomy 34, verse 10. And here's what it says about Moses as the, uh, the one that compiled the first five books of the Bible writes this. It says this, since then, no prophet <coughs> has risen in Israel like Moses, whom the, the Lord knew face to face, Who did all those signs and wonders the Lord sent him to do in Egypt to Pharaoh and to all his officials and to his whole land. For no one has ever shown the mighty power or performed the awesome deeds that Moses did in the sight of all Israel. Talk about some big shoes to fill, huh? I mean, Moses was kind of a big deal, wasn't he? And also, then we're also told, not only did did Moses pull off all this stuff, he did it with incredible humility. In another spot, we're told that Moses was the most humble man who ever lived. And so, not only a great leader, very humble. And now, Joshua is called on to, to follow in these footsteps, right? In fact, about Moses, God says in Numbers 12, He's like, I, I reveal myself to other prophets and visions and dreams. But Moses, we're buddies, we're friends. I talk to him like I would to a friend. And these are the shoes. That Joshua had to fill. Can you imagine how intimidated he must have felt? How not up for the challenge he must have felt? Maybe you're in a season like that where you're, you're walking into something in life where you feel the exact same way. So Joshua 1:1 1, 1 says this, after the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, son of Nun, Moses aid, Moses, my servant is dead. And so Joshua and the people of Israel find themselves in a new season with huge changes. Joshua, Moses, the great leader, is dead, no longer there to carry on with the people, to lead them into the promised land. And, And anytime you find yourself in a season of life, a new season, a season of change, this is time to really pay attention and to use caution. Because change in life seasons are often key times when people lose their faith in God. Either their faith, for some, even the faith that God even exists. For some, it's the faith in his presence or his goodness. And we'll kind of dive into this a little bit more next week. What what we'll see is four different key times, key changes, when people tend to, to drift away if they're not careful. And just for graduates, I wanted to give you one today. And if you're traveling next week, because I know it's a holiday, go and listen on the podcast, because I think it's a really important conversation. But one of those is seasons of transition. We have season of seasons of temptation, seasons of trial, and seasons of too much or abundance, okay? But in seasons of transition, and some of you are in seasons of transition right now, you know, you're in in high school, you're getting ready to go off to college, or you're in middle school, you're getting ready to go to high school, or you're in college, graduating from college, getting ready to take on your first real job in the world, right? You're in a new city, maybe, and suddenly you're surrounded by people who really you know, don't believe what you believe, and what seems so important to you in your younger years no longer seems so important around your new circle of friends. These are seasons to really pay attention to, seasons... Of transition, and that's where Joshua and the people of Israel find themselves in. They find themselves in one of these changing seasons. Some, for some, it's a season of temptation, where 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 the temptation for a relationship or something overwhelms your values, and you allow that to take precedent over what you know is the right thing to do. For some, it's it's a trial, a season of trial, as hard times come in your life. And, and that leads to doubt that God's there. It leads to a disillusionment. It leads to a detachment from God, oftentimes, for so many people. Another season is seasons of too much or abundance. And I think this is one that we really struggle with in our society, in our congregation. And that is just, we have so much, so much available. We have so many activities. For some, it's just too much. You're involved in too much, There's too much to do, too many opportunities, too much. Right? Seasons of abundance, and before you know it, life just kind of crowds out your relationship with God. And before you know it, you wouldn't ever say you'd lost faith. It just quickly went to the bottom of the priority stack. Right? And so, seasons of change. And here's the thing: Joshua and and his people—they find himself in one of these changing seasons. And what they do next will be critical. So God goes on in speaking to Joshua in verse 2. He says this, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now then you and all these people get ready to cross the Jordan River into the land that I am about to give to them, to the Israelites. God says, all right, it's time to go. You've mourned for 30 days. You know, you you did your duty. You've mourned for Moses. Now it's time to go. It's time to get to the things that God Has called you to. Joshua, you've seen some amazing things. You've seen some, you've heard some amazing things. But this time it's different because this time you need to take action into what I'm calling you to. And some of you, you know, you've grown up sort of on the coattails of maybe your parents' faith or somebody a generation ahead of you, or maybe somebody you're in school with, and you sort of lived your life and related to God through them, and, and, and this is a new season for you, and God is calling you to really dig in for yourself, to really make your faith your own, to really seek God for yourself, to seek his leading, your own leading from God for your life. And so God goes on. He says this in verse three, I will give you every place where you, where you set your foot, as I promised Moses. Your territory will extend from the desert of Lebanon and from the great river, the Euphrates, all the Hittite country to the Mediterranean Sea in the west. God affirms, reaffirms the promise that he gave to the people of Israel. And he says, Joshua, I'm gonna do it. What I promised will come to pass. And it's gonna be me doing the work but there's going to be a lot of work for you to do too in partnering. Verse five, no one will be able to stand against you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses. Now here's the key. is I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will never leave you nor forsake you. And that's huge. That's huge. And here, here's the first thing I really want you to dig into as part of What we started with today, and that's this that in navigating seasons of change, one of the most important things that you can grab a hold of, one of the most vital things for you in your life is this it's confidence in God's presence. See, the greatest promise isn't success, even here that that you know God says you're gonna you're gonna go through and and I'm gonna carry this out on your behalf. That's not the greatest promise. The greatest promise wasn't you know, the provision that God would provide for their needs and God would bring them into this new land, the greatest promise is his presence. And that's the greatest promise he gives to you and to me is that he will be with us. The the author of Hebrews echoes this. Jesus says to his disciples, I will never leave you, right? And then the author, author of Hebrews, Jesus says, I'll be with you always, even to the end of the age. And the author of Hebrews echoes this and he, he says these exact same words, I will never leave you or forsake you. Confidence in God's presence is such a key. Isn't it interesting to you how the presence of, have you ever noticed how maybe you're out in the woods or something and just having somebody else around is kind of a big deal? I, I, uh, I took my kids snorkeling a while ago and I kind of laughed at myself because I, I love going out in the ocean, in the deep water and stuff, but I'm kind of a chicken when I'm by myself, because I've seen Shark Week, you know? <clears throat> and so I've got my, like, you know, my little girl, you know, I'm pulling her around, or my little boy, he's not little anymore, he's getting pretty big, but uh, I got my boy with me, and all of a sudden, I feel more confident. I'm like, wait a minute, I'm the dad here, this is supposed to be the opposite, Right? But isn't it funny how just having the presence of somebody else with you? I mean, I was going like, you're such a chicken. Like, you're you're not dragging your kid out there to show him. You just want somebody to go with you. Anyway, uh, isn't it funny how just having somebody with you makes all the difference in the world? What if we actually got a hold of this fact that God is with us? And whatever that new season is, and whatever that change is, and whatever God's calling you to... What if you actually got a hold of this? Because if you're here and you're a follower of Jesus and and you say you believe the words of Jesus, you would say, okay, yeah, I believe this, but how often do we live like we believe it? How often do we go through our days and our weeks actually with this on the front of our mind, the front of our consciousness, not just tucked away somewhere back there? And I'm telling you, if, if this really sunk into our hearts, this would make all the difference in the world. I think God wants us to realize how awesome this promise is. That, that truly, to be, if you were really confident in this promise, it would change everything. See, because the truth is we have no guarantees usually about the outcomes of whatever season of change we're in, right? And this is where people most often get into trouble, is because the outcome of this season hasn't gone the way they thought. And so they draw conclusions about God's care for them based on the outcome of the season in the here and now. When Jesus says, I will never leave you in the midst, see, because God doesn't always promise that everything's gonna work out rosy in this life, right? But this is a promise. He will never leave you. He will never forsake you. And that's the greatest promise we could ever ask for. So he goes on. He says in verse six, be strong and courageous. What makes you strong and courageous? What I just promised you, the fact that I'm with you. That should give you the courage to do whatever you're called to do. Because you will lead these people to inherit the land I swore to their ancestors to give them. He goes on, be strong and very courageous. You think God wants them to get this? Be careful to obey all the law my servant Moses Gave you. Do not turn from it to the right or the left, that you may be successful wherever you go. Keep this book of the law always on your lips. Meditate on it day and night, so that you may <coughs> so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. Now, here, here's what I want you to know about Joshua right now. Joshua knew God's instructions, the scriptures, better than anyone else alive on the planet at this point. Because he was, he was there with Moses in the tent. He was there on the mountain with Moses as Moses received the instruction from God, right? He knew it better, but God still said, I want you to meditate on the scripture. I want you to meditate on the on what's been given day and night. I want it to be on your heart. I want you to be careful to keep it. He goes on, verse nine. Have I not commanded you... Be strong and courageous. He really wants Joshua to get this, right? He's making it very, very, very clear to Joshua. This is the fifth time, including once in Deuteronomy, that God speaks this to Joshua. When God repeats something five times, listen up, right? Listen up. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. Why? Why? For the Lord your God will be what? Everybody say that out loud. With you, wherever you go. And here's the second thing I think is such a key in navigating seasons of change is this, it's clarity of God's voice. Remember our second C. Clarity of God's voice. The first one, confidence of God's presence. Clarity of God's voice. And see, sometimes God speaks Very clearly, like right here to Joshua, right? Five times in a row. Hey, buddy, be strong and courageous. Hey, I'm with you. I will never leave you. You can do this because I'm with you. Here's what I want you to do. Here's the path. Go this way. Do this. Sometimes God speaks very clearly. And I believe sometimes God speaks to us very clearly. When God first started to speak to us and lead us about planning a church, Five years before we, we ever set that in motion, it was so clear. It was so incredibly clear. Um, I've told you this story before of when my dad was uh, praying when he was a college professor up in Alaska. And he literally saw, before the days of big screen TVs, he literally saw a big screen TV in his mind that says, pray for Robert. And later he found out another professor, um, saw a big screen TV that said, go see Robert. And when he went and saw Robert, the guy was locked in his dorm room with a gun and the gas pipe disconnected and could have taken out not only his own life, but everybody in that dorm. But God so clearly led and this guy was able to stop Robert from doing that. I mean, amazing, right? Sometimes God works in those kind of clear ways. But here's, here's the thing. Oftentimes when that happens in your life, usually it's the tougher the assignment, the greater the clarity is needed, right? And oftentimes if God has something for you to do that's gonna be pretty hard, there's gonna be some real clarity around that. God just doesn't all the time tell you to jump off, you know, into the deep end without having some real clarity around that. I As we're, after God was communicating and leading us in some really um, key ways. As we were praying about planting a church, I told our pastor friend, Jay Pathick, the, the pastor of the Mile High Vineyard, I said, hey, uh, you know, we were like starry-eyed, tell him about this. And he goes, well, uh, man, this is that, if it's that clear, you know what that means. It's gonna be really hard. <laughs> I'm like, gee, thanks. <laughs> I'm telling you, the first year, had we not had the clarity that God had really spoken to us, I don't know that we would have kept going right? So sometimes God makes it so clear. And when God does that, if God does that in your life, and all I can say is, you know, there's some unique ways God God could communicate. He's he's the master communicator, right? He can communicate to you in all sorts of ways. And, And there's just those times that you know, that you know, that you know, that God is leading you to do this, or you know, that you know, that you know, you have no doubt in your heart or mind that God said this. And when that's the case, you just go. You just do it, even if it doesn't seem like a really great idea. Even if your family's like, you're crazy, right? If you know that you know that you know, if you are crystal clear that God told you to do something, you, you just obey, right? I mean, now obviously the caveat is he never speaks in opposition to what's written in the word. And, and that's something to keep in mind, right? Because if, if he's telling you to do something that he tells you not to do in the Bible, then you haven't heard from God. It was the pizza the night before, okay? You had too many jalapenos on the pizza. Anybody like jalapenos? One of my favorites, ham, jalapenos, and pineapple. Oh, yeah. Mm, Good stuff. Too bad I'm on the low-carb diet now, so that kind of kills the pizza. Okay. Um, I can cheat, though, right? So, anyway. So... I wanna give you a few things, because here's the thing. Sometimes God is super clear, right? And other times, it's just not so clear, is it? As you're thinking about a season of change or a season of transition in your life, other times, it is not clear. And how do you know what to do when it's not clear? And I've got five different things that I think are keys for what you do in those seasons to try to discern, is God trying to lead me in a way in this season? And one of those, the first one is this, you, you gotta spend time listening to God in prayer. The psalmist says, be still before the Lord and wait patiently for him. You gotta have some time of prayer where you're, it's just not all one-sided of God, here's my, here's my long list, you know, let's get this done, and then I gotta get out the door and off to work. You need to have some time where you just, you just spend some time with God. Maybe you go on a long walk out in the desert and just get by yourself and allow God to begin to speak to your heart and whisper into your ear (laughs) with a still, small voice. The second thing, what I just mentioned, is is you gotta pay attention to what's plainly written in God's word. And I would say, don't just pay attention, do what is plainly written in God's word, right? Um, Another spot, in Deuteronomy, it says this, the Lord our God has secrets known to no one. We are not accountable for them. Isn't that good? You are not accountable for everything God knows. That's good. But we and our children are accountable forever for all that He has revealed to us so that we may obey all the terms of these instructions. In other words, you're only accountable for what God has revealed to you, but you got to get into the scripture and see what God has revealed to you. And the primary way that God speaks to us is through His Word, through the written Word. And if you want to hear from God clearly and get direction for your life, you got to get in His Word, you got to spend time in His Word. You got to read the scripture, right? This is one of the reasons why we hold such a high value on teaching scripture here in our services, both for kids and for grownups, right? The third one is this. You got to seek wise and godly counsel. Proverbs says that plans succeed through good counsel. A great question to ask yourself and then ask those who are wise and love God and love you. Is, is this, do you think this is a wise thing to do right now? That in this season of my life, knowing who I am, knowing my past struggles, knowing the things, you know, my temptations, do you think this is a wise thing for me to do? God, is this a wise thing for me to do? Is this next step I'm taking wise? Is going to this, you know, spring break camp with this group of friends who, yeah, we kind of had some history, right? Is that the wise thing to do? Is this the wise job to take for the summer? Is it wise to be away from my family that much? Those are, those are good questions to ask, right? And then uh, the fourth thing is this. Keep moving and don't stall out. Don't stall in important areas of life. Oh, back to the wise thing real quick. That's something. Back when I was uh, just graduating... I remember, you know, I was praying and trying to figure out what the next move is, and I um, I decided I I think what I'm supposed to do, or I I didn't really have any kind of clear word from God or any like clear direction, but I was praying about doing a DTS, a discipleship training school with Youth with a Mission, which is a six-month school where you just focus on your relationship with God. Three months of it, you learn a whole bunch, and then three months of it, you're on outreach, going to some far-flung place in the world usually, and so I didn't have any like clear, this is the thing to do. But I just, as I thought about it and I pondered it, I said, what better could I do with six months of my life than focus on my relationship with God? So I said, I think I'll do it. And later on, I I was driving around in my best friend's little Datsun 280Z. And uh, we were cruising around and he was working, uh, just working a job in town, you know, that, wasn't really part of anything long term for him. And I'm like, what are you doing, dude? What are you going to do for the next six months? Just work here? Why don't you come to DTS with me? And he did. And it really impacted his life. So, anyway, sometimes you just ask, what's the wise thing to do? It's not always super clear. Sometimes you just do it, right? Okay, keep moving and don't stall out. Don't stall in important areas of life. So many times when we find ourselves approaching a season of change or in an area where we really don't know what to do or how to tackle it, We start to, we freeze. And it's so wise as as you look at your life to, to keep, to maintain relationships with your family and friends that you don't just let important areas of your life stall out. Eat right, exercise, right? Complete that course you started. You already paid for it, right? Okay, keep saving. Keep paying off debt. I mean, these are just wise things to do. And wherever, whenever God makes it clear in your life, if you do these things, you will be in a much better place to take the next step he's calling you to do. Be faithful today in serving in the area that he's called you. Stay involved. Keep giving. All those things, right? You've heard the phrase, it's easier to steer a moving vehicle than a parked vehicle. And this is the idea of just keep in motion taking the next step in life, right? Right? And one thing I think is is so critical is this. Do the last thing you know God told you to do. See, if you expect or you're begging God to give you fresh direction in life and you haven't obeyed the last thing that you know he told you to do, I I would say there's probably not a great chance of that. And maybe the reason why you feel like nothing is clear is because you, you keep ignoring the last thing you know that you know that you know that God told you to do. And so those are five little tidbits that you you might wanna write down or something that might just be helpful if you're in one of those seasons where it just isn't so clear. But clarity of God's voice is important, his leading. Verse 10, so, and here's what Joshua does with this. Here's what he does with with the commission. So Joshua ordered the officers of the people, Go through the camp and tell the people, get your provisions ready. Three days from now, you will cross the Jordan here to go in and take possession of the land the Lord your God is giving you for your own. Did you see that? Joshua takes action. Now, did you notice what God didn't tell Joshua? The whole plan of attack, right? He didn't go, oh, by the way. Yeah, this is going to be great. In a couple of weeks, you know, about a month from now, you're going you're gonna to walk around. I'm going to make you walk around a village seven times, and you're going to feel like such idiots. He didn't tell them that. He just said, this is the direction you go. And see, here's, I think, one of the biggest things, and we talk about this all the time because I think it's such a big thing, that in new seasons of life or as you feel God calling you towards a new season, You got to have the courage to take the next step, the courage. Now, you don't have to know five steps down the road. Joshua had no idea how God was going to work it all out. And if you go through the rest of the book, and we're not going to do that in this series, but there were all sorts of wild ways that God actually brought to pass the thing that he said was going to happen. And there's no way Joshua could have predicted it. Or no way Joshua could even come up with it, right? But what did Joshua do? He took the next step. He said, okay, guys, we're doing it. How? I don't know. But three days from now, we're crossing that river. He had no idea that they would walk up to the side of the river and stand there, and then it would part. It's a big deal. But he had the courage to take the next step. And here's the thing, you gotta do the next thing you know you should do. You gotta do the next thing. God says, my word is a light to your path and a lamp, or a lamp to your path, light to your feet, or vice versa, I can't remember. But the whole point is they didn't have big LED thousand lumen spotlights, right? That shine all the way down the road. It was literally, it showed you a step or two. Enough to keep going in the right way that you wanted to go, or that God was calling you to go. And typically, I've found that's the way it is when, when you follow God. Oftentimes, He gives you the destination hey, I've got something big. I want you to make an impact for my kingdom, or I've got something for you in your life, or I in mean, your marriage, in your family. But you got to trust me. But we have no idea how, is, how we're going to get there. All we know is, I think. The right next step is this. You know, when you ask that, when you run it through that grid of, God, what's the next, what's the wise thing to do in my situation and my place in life, you know, with these, with my family situation, with, with, you know, the way I know you've wired me up and all the things I struggle with and the opportunities I have and the financial situation I'm in, what's the wise thing to do? Typically, the next step he makes pretty clear. And you go, okay. Actually, that's pretty simple. I don't have to know A to Z. I only have to know A to B, A to B. You typically know the next right step, right? Maybe it's a boyfriend. You, you need to break up with the bum and you know it, right? Or maybe it's just that change in direction you need to take. Maybe it's a hard conversation that you need to have with somebody. Maybe it's a step of forgiveness. Maybe it is taking a step, taking a course, and beginning the process of getting out of debt. Maybe it's getting counseling or or getting in a program and getting the help that that you know you need, right? That's the next step that he's calling you to. So, bottom line. Navigating change, if you want to successfully navigate change with your faith intact and strengthened, and actually get to the things that God is calling you to get to. Navigating change requires confidence in God's presence, clarity of God's voice, and courage to take the next step. And I don't know where you're at tonight, but where you're at in all this, and confidence in his presence. You know, you may be in that place right now where you need, you need the confident assurance of his presence. And chances are, if you're not in that season right now, you will be before too long. And just know this, the same Jesus who predicted his own death and resurrection and then pulled it off, said, I will never leave you or forsake you. I will be with you. Always. And the cross, what he did on the cross for you, not only does it secure your salvation, but when he died and rose again, it proves beyond a shadow of a doubt that his promises are true. And so if that's you and, and you're in the room and you just don't, you don't feel it. Like you're a follower of Jesus, you're a Christian, you would nod your head and go, I believe that but it hasn't sunk into your life. You don't live it. I want you just to ask him to to bring it home in your heart, to give you that assurance, to give you that confidence, to help it go from your head to your heart. Ask him to confirm to you because I I believe he's alive and, and active. That's what we believe. So ask him to confirm that in your heart this week. Ask him to speak that word to your heart and confirm that he's with you. Next week, one of the things we're gonna look at is a key to having confidence in the midst of changing seasons in life. Key to having this confidence. I don't know where you're at in, the, in clarity of God's voice or God's leading. Maybe some of you, you, need, you just need to dedicate some time to prayer. You know that, that's slipped off the radar. You need to get into Scripture. You need to start reading scripture again. For some of you, you really do need to seek some godly counsel for what you're facing right now. You need to really ask the question, what's the wise thing to do? Because you've been making some choices that haven't been very wise and aren't paying off in your life. You need to keep doing the healthy, good things that you know you need to do while you wait for clear direction from him. Or maybe for some it's just that courage to take the next step. That you know that you know that you know what the next step is. And you've just not had the courage to do it. Would you just commit to taking the next step? To taking the next thing to doing the thing he's called you to do? Let's say these three C's together one more time. Confidence, clarity, and Courage. Navigating change requires confidence in God's presence, clarity of God's voice, and courage to take the next step. And for some of you, if you want to stand, we're going to close this evening. And I'm going to ask a couple of our pastors or ministry team to come up, on one on either side, right as we close here, right now. For some, this is really responding to Jesus that he died for you. He gave his life for you. And part of experiencing his presence in your life is giving your life to him and allowing his Holy Spirit. We're told that as, for, for a follower of Jesus, as you fully place your faith and trust in him, that his Holy Spirit comes and dwells in your heart, in your life. And so if that's you in the room, I just wanna, we can bow our heads and close our eyes. And I wanna invite you, either out loud or in the quietness of your heart, to pray a prayer, something like this. The words aren't magical. Lord Jesus, I believe you died and rose again. I believe you're the son of God. I wanna invite you to to come into my life. Forgive me. Welcome me into your family. I wanna turn my life to you and follow you from this point forward. And Lord, for all my other friends here, I just ask that you would just bless them today, that you would would truly give them the confidence in your presence, that you would allow them to hear your voice clearly as you're leading them, and that you would give them the courage to take the next step you're calling them to, Lord. We love you. We pray these things in your name. Amen.